This coming Monday is Halloween, and once again, I see so many messages and posts from Catholics who urge us to not celebrate the feast. Frankly, I don't see how dressing in a costume or going door to door looking for candy is celebrating anything. At the same time, I have seen research that shows that there are occultic and even satanic events that take place on this day, but we can't forget that Halloween is deeply connected to the following day, All Saints Day, and the day after, All Souls Day. Halloween is a day when we feast because the next day we will fast. It is a day when we are called to remember our death, for it is through death that we come to new life. It is also a day when we are called to remember our deceased loved ones. Christians have been honoring and remembering the dead since day one. True, like Christmas and Easter, these Catholic feasts have been hijacked and corrupted, but that doesn't mean that they're bad. At any rate, we shouldn't be scared of evil or death. They exist, but Christ has already triumphed over both. This Halloween, when you honor our saints and your beloved departed, remember your mortality. Whether you choose to dress up as death or as a princess or not to dress up at all, remember that right after death always comes the light of life. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this is the Salt and Light Hour. Hello and welcome to an all-new Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro and sitting with me here is Danny Torquia. Danny, welcome back. Good to see you. How was your summer? Good to see you too, Deacon. It was a wonderful summer. I spent a lot of time with family, with animals, and uh, the kids right. are pretty busy. Yeah. Yes, your growing little farm, your growing little backyard farm. Yeah, well, you know, we I, I work with a lot of people over the years, and now I'm enjoying the other part of creation, parts of creation, and in, in this case, a fowl, fowl, and birds. chickens, birds. and ducks. You have ducks. Yeah, no somebody, ducks. a nice, nice farmer, gave us five ducks, so we're looking into how to take care of Muscovy oh, ducks. That's wonderful. That should be. We should do a segment on that. Just that farming with Danny Torquia. Yeah. Um, Danny, today we have Jillian is back as well today for our show. So we're going to have some awesome. lesson that she has learned from her kids. Um, that's coming up in about five minutes, and then you're back with. So you 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 do a, you talk about media media ministry but you want to go back to something more specific about how we bring up our children right what are we learning yeah. about well you know we started this many years ago talking about media ministry minutes as a theme and we know we've heard about media missionaries working in catholic media but at the end of the day uh, you know, what does that, what's the greatest benefit about learning about media and, and building up your defenses and learning how to uh, embrace Catholic teaching mm -hmm. and discipleship? Well, it's, 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 it's aimed to protecting and transmitting the faith with our youth. So, I mean, it goes hand in hand. It's two parts of the, the equation of being a good adult, being a good leader. Yeah, would be to know the uh, the uh, the different approaches of the devil of the enemy and dividing, and that sadly the devil uh, is, is using it very effective with the media. Hence, yeah. if we if we want to transmit the faith and rear uh, children, well, we're going to have to rear rebels because the, the 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 flow of the current is tied to mass media or mm -hmm. or pop culture, and it's it's uh, it's important to be savvy and build our defenses to rear those rebels. Yeah. Okay. So, so we're back to rearing rebels with Danny Torquia. Right um, looking forward to hearing that. And today you're going to focus on, 
I guess a little bit about what that's all about. So that's in about 15 minutes. And Danny, I know you know about this new Mother Teresa film because you've been uh, helping the Knights of Columbus a little bit with their publicity. Yeah, tell me about it. That's a must watch, everybody. That's Is it? Sure. Okay, so have you seen it? Have you watched it? I have it? seen it. I loved it, yeah. Okay, I haven't seen it. So it's been, I mean, it's amazing to me that it's been 25 years since Mother Teresa's death. And now there's a new documentary film that celebrates her legacy. Um, and we're going to be speaking with the producer and director, David Nalieri, uh, today in our, at the end, uh, in our second half hour. Um, so the film is called Mother Teresa, No Greater Love. And yes. as I said, we're going to be speaking with director and producer, David Nalieri. Well, yeah. And it's, 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 uh, it's going to be a great interview. You've got to stay and listen to that and, and hear it. And I got to say, if anybody can actually go into the theaters. Yes. We're going to um, talk about that. Yeah. And, and there is an encore presentation early November. Uh, Mother Teresa movie. Yeah, there's an encore presentation com. in the U.S. and it's in in Canada on November second and third. The, the film will be in theaters, uh, something like 23 theaters across the country. Uh, even more than that, and it it it, it, oh, it good. The first premiere, North American premiere, was super successful in the U.S. Now they have more theaters opening up, and then yes. a Spanish version and a French is coming. So it's really a must-watch documentary film that will that is riveting. It is, it is the, it's going to be the official Mother Teresa documentary. So we're going to learn all about it uh, in about 25 minutes with director David Nalieri. And then at the end of the show, Danny, we're going to be reconnecting with Will Hickel. He, um, you might remember him when we learned about Novum Records uh, about a year and a half ago. Um, he also has a band called Novum. Um, and... Uh, Will has been releasing several singles uh, over the last couple of years, um, especially actually. He's got a few new ones this year, so it's a good excuse to reconnect with him. So we're going to be speaking with him at the end of the program in about 45 minutes. Um, so lots of good stuff coming up. Remember, if you can't listen to the whole show, be sure to go to our website, slmedia.org, where you can podcast the whole program. You can also listen to this program as a podcast wherever you get your podcasts. So there's no excuse not to listen to the show. So Danny, you ready? Let's start with a song. Yeah, let's do this. Uh, here is Will Hickel with one of his new singles, Jesus, You Are Here. In the stillness of this moment, Jesus, I know that you
That was Will Hickel with his new single, Jesus, You Are Here. And singing with Will on that track is Rita West. We're going to be speaking with Will Hickel in about 40 minutes, so I hope that you can stick around for that. And now it's time for What I Learned from My Kids with Jillian Cantor. Jillian, welcome back. Hope you had a good summer. You too. It's been a long time. How are you? It doing? has been a long time. A lot has has been happening, and but your kids are back in school. You're back in the swing of things. For now, <laughs> learning new know. lessons. Learning new lessons from your children already. Okay, so here's what we got today. All things work together for good. Is the lesson? But actually, my children did not teach me this. The Bible taught me that. Okay, that's <laughs> but good. But it's the of my children that led me there. Um, so fun fact, Pedro, we have been working on this, working together on this radio program uh, since before Joseph went to kindergarten. I can recall stories that I shared with you uh, when he was in preschool. And one of them, I think I told it on the radio, but I mean, it has been 10 years, so I can't really remember if it's true. Um, before he went to preschool, his very first day was like a two hour program, two mornings every week. Uh, he was very nervous. And so I remember driving in our car, him in his car seat behind me, my arm reaching back, holding his hand, telling him, you know, Joseph, if you feel scared or nervous, just imagine Jesus holding your hand and you'll be okay. It'll be fine. You'll be comforted by your friend and all will be well. That was my wise advice as a young mom. And when I picked Joseph up from his program and we were driving home, he proudly announced to me, I did it, mommy. I am pictured Jesus with me and he was holding my hand and I was fine. <laughs> I was so tickled and I could just have like a puddly mess in the front seat of the car. Like, oh, that's so sweet. I can't believe he did that. Anyway, this year we dropped Joseph off at high school <laughs> and I was reminding him of this story as <laughs> The night before, I'm like, so Joseph, if you're feeling nervous, just remember. Uh, I don't think that he did that this time around. <clears throat> but what really struck me is, you know, when I, I'm parenting a little Joseph, I have some concept of what he's going through. Like, this little guy is nervous, he's scared. Here's what I, here are the words I can offer him to help him. But when I drop him off at high school, that experience is foreign to me. I grew up in a small town. I, my high school was grades eight through 12, 200 people. My class had 30 people in it, most of whom I'd been at school with since kindergarten straight through grade 12. Right. If you wanted to join a team, you signed up. If you wanted to be on a club, you signed up. There was no tryouts. It was just, we're all in it. We're all friends. We all know each other. So I'm dropping him off at a school of hundreds of kids. Thousands. I don't even know what the population of the school is. It's big. I've never been inside. I don't know the teachers. These are not people that are familiar to me. And I'm sending them forth. And I hate every single second of it. I would hate it. And I, he's not an outgoing guy. He's really wor uh, worrisome fellow. Um, and so sending him out into that environment was heart wrenching. It was heartbreaking. And then add to that, <clears throat> there were some things that were happening at the end of the summer, beginning of the fall that were just kind of heavy for him. He was cut from a few different teams. He's entering high school. He's not this outgoing guy. He doesn't know how to you know, reach out and make friends. He can't find the buddies that he does have. It was just, and then, you know, then the assignments start coming. It's a lot a heavier workload, obviously, than elementary school, um, a different way of marking. He's not as familiar with the teachers. It was just a lot 
for a guy to handle. Who <laughs> these are, and guess what? I can't do. I can't swoop in and save the day. I have to just drop him off and let him go have those experiences on his own. Yeah. And to be honest, I wasn't very gracious about it, especially when it came to the <clears throat> when it came to the teams that he was cut from. You know, you just you want to you know yell at somebody, yell into the universe. Can't you all see how awesome my kid is? But only a crazy mom would do that. I don't think my son would appreciate that very much. So I had to just keep quiet. But that didn't mean that I wasn't complaining in my head or grumbling in my head. Or on one particular occasion out loud, I picked up one son from a practice. And as his practice was ending, another practice was starting. And it was the team that my elder son was cut from. And so as I'm watching this group of kids arrive, I'm like, oh, I'm so annoyed. I can't believe this team. Why did he get cut? He's better than that kid. And I was saying things that weren't fair or nice, not to anyone, just out loud. But my son, Henry, was there and he could hear me. And he finally said, mom, they're all just doing their best. And so it's always a beautiful and humbling thing when your 12-year-old is more mature than you are. So it shut me up and just had me thinking about, you know, all those kids want to join that team. Somebody's got to get cut. So it's not fair for me to think that just because my kid wants it, that he should get it. And then I was reminded of this quote from Romans that all things work together for good. All things work together for good for those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. So does that mean if Joseph loves God, if we love God, that he should just give us what we want, that all things should just work together for good, that we should just have whatever our heart's desire is because We love you, God. For sure you're going to answer that prayer. And obviously the answer to that is no. We have to live in the trust and hopefulness that the things that we're experiencing now, those things that feel heavy and difficult, will become what is good. They will work together for good. And our our things that we're going through are, are minor. There's so many things that are happening in this world today, whether it could be the loss of a job, the death of a family member. I mean, look beyond our, our country and there's war and famine and just destruction of people's livelihoods. When you say to them, you know, all things will work together for good. That's a tough pill to swallow. That is heavy stuff. How is that possible? We can't, we don't have the foresight to see that. We do, you know, years later, we can have the hindsight. We can look back and we can see, oh, that's why that happened. This makes sense. Yes, I understand now. But we also need to live in the hopefulness right now. We need to live in the truth of that, that all of these things are happening for good. So when you drop your kid off at high school and you see the pain and the loneliness and the frustration that he's going through, all I can do, except for swooping in to save the day and running into the school and telling everyone how awesome he is, (laughs) if I'm not going to do that, what I can do is remind myself, encourage him and teach him and make sure he holds that truth close to his heart, that all of this is for your good. All of this will work together for your good. And as parents we can see that that lesson is, you know, it's coming together. There are, there've been some moments where, for example, he was part of this organization that he never really liked being a part of, but we knew that it was good for him, good for his development, good for socialization, good, just, there was good things about this organization. So years of grumbling every time he had to go, every time a meeting was coming up, every time a camp was coming up, grumble, grumble, don't want to go, don't want to go, don't want to go. Except this year, this year he put on his uniform and just went. And David and I are kind of looking at each other like, should we say anything? Like, what happened? (laughs) Then there was another um, experience where he was, you know, called upon by his grandfather to, you know, 
look after the lawns and rake the leaves of not just his own house, but all of his neighbors. And it was a big job. Joseph wasn't in love with the idea. Grumble, grumble, grumble. This year, not a word, just did it. So finally I said to him, Joe, what's the difference this year? What happened? Why are you, you know, we're grateful. Believe me, we were so happy that your attitude has changed, but I'm also wondering why. He's like, I just realized that some things are worth doing. And I'm like, oh my gosh. I mean, never mind that I gave you a thousand speeches of it before telling you that exact same thing, but that he was able to figure it out on his own. He was able to figure out that this is good. These are the things working together for good, not just for himself, but for other people. So there is hope there that lessons are reaching their brains, their teenage brains. Um, But there's also the hope that, you know, we, all of us, grownups and kids alike can understand that no matter what we're going through, God's put us there for a reason. It is working together for good. Um, that we can yeah, just have the hope um, and the grace to know that this is this is for a purpose. And, and here we go. So it's not easy. It's terribly hard. And it's frustrating and maddening. But to live in the hopefulness of it gives it purpose and gladness and some joy. So there's yeah. my rambling thought. No, Did and- we pull through here? We did, Jillian. You have no idea how uh, important these ramblings today have been for a lot of the people that are listening as they go through their own difficulties. So thank you for sharing that. Um, Thank you for your ramblings and thank you for those lessons. And thank you for Henry for his wise words. We'll see you. We'll talk to you next month. Okay. Thank you, Pedro. Jillian Cantor is always learning something from her kids. She's the wife of David and the mother of Joseph, Henry, Annie, Clara, Jane, and Leo. Hi, this is Matt Marr. You're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. I'm Deacon Pedro. If you missed any part of this program or to listen to any interview again, go to slmedia.org slash podcasts. All our shows are archived there. And now it's time for Rearing Rebels with Danny Torquia. Danny, so... Hey, Deacon Pedro, we're back. We're back. What are you gonna What are you gonna uh, share with us today about uh, how we need to bring up rebels? Yeah. Well, you know the the um, we don't often talk about worldviews, and and yet it's a pivotal element of of rearing rebels because you know I grew up in a home where the the worldview like every like your home i'm sure and every home has a specific culture a specific way to see the world your your eth- work ethic relig- mm-hmm. the role of religion the role of 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 men and women uh children parents all that and and all these are great now we have to be very cognizant that the marketplace um, I'm referring to the, the the dangerous element of the marketplace, which I'm going to call uh, a, a marketplace or an economy, which reigns mainly in Canada and the USA, uh, which is unchecked consumerism, mm-hmm. unfettered, unchecked consumerism mm-hmm. with materialism, with hedonism, with with very little role for morality. Uh, certainly not traditional morality uh, or, or the ethics related to that. So when when you face that kind of marketplace, which I, I call a marketplace ruled by the by mammon, the love of money right. um, or greed, but which is very real. So what's your worldview? So I got to say, my point for rearing rebels is we have to 
determine what is our pri the primary worldview that we're going to live by and pass to our children and, and around which all our decisions will be made. And don't let anyone dictate that worldview. It ought to come from Jesus, a relationship with Christ. So, so if someone's, you know, because if you look around, you drive down a major highway, um, you see the same big box stores, the same, um, you know, retail or fast moving consumer goods sellers. You watch the movies in, uh, from Hollywood. Most of them have the same underlying messages about how to behave, what to think, how to treat your parents, how to maintain a long, a long term or a casual relationship. Uh, how should you treat the other gender? Should you even consider your gender as something God given or serious or, or stable? Yeah. All these yeah. things are force fed to us and i'm not going to we're not going to debate those worldviews right now but my point is what is your primary worldview and from there you can then better assess where to shop uh what to dress how to dress yeah uh, who to hang out with and, and those are super important questions yeah yeah and i and i think that what you're saying is that as parents particularly we need to be intentional as to how we're passing on those worldviews to our children because values i learned this from um, dr dobson from from focus on the family he always says that that values are not taught they are caught mm -hmm. so your children are are catching that's how right. they're learning all these values and unless we're very intentional about what we're teaching them they're going to be catching all kinds of right. other things and they're catching it with 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 such, against they're facing such savvy marketers that have if you if you haven't seen the social dilemma they're using gamification we're using omni-channel marketing uh, yeah. influencer relations uh, product placement product endorsement multi-million dollar focus yeah, group all that studies. stuff and we and yeah and we I was just gonna say and, and all those things that you have spoken to us about in this very segment. So if people yeah. want to know about gamification and about product placement, you need to listen to all of Danny's segments season, in previous season shows. season one of Media Ministry Minutes. Yeah, actually. a lot of that we spoke about that. Um yeah. so you're saying that our primary worldview needs to be a Christian worldview and, and that needs to be ultimately the center. Yes, because th th from there you will see that our Jesus-centered worldview will will help us hopefully to and with a little bit of discussions like we're having today to see that the worldview pushed to our children through the mass consumer-based marketplace mm -hmm. is you know sex is leisure you are inadequate but with our product or our solution exactly normally an addiction you are you can be adequate but but put a push aside christ and and, and the fruits exactly. of the holy spirit which we care about self-control peace uh fruit faithfulness uh, charity, chastity. Are you kidding? Yeah, there is so the marketplace will promote the absolute off, off opposite. No self-control. Plus, you know, you deserve cheap products, you know, fast fashion. Who cares up channel in the supply chain and logistics mm -hmm. who we had to abuse, which which country, entire countries we had yeah. to subjugate under a modern say, form of yeah. slavery. Yeah. Uh, who who cares what we had to do? You'll get your very low-cost seafood or low-cost clothing because you deserve it that yeah. was the l'oreal slogan yeah, because exactly. you're worth it i always i always think that i mean what, what you're talking also is like you want your children to to become critical thinkers so if they it's okay if they watch something let's say they're watching a movie and there's some you know 
it's okay to, I would say that it's okay to watch it, but what yeah. does it mean? Are you thinking about it? Are you processing? Because when they don't process it, they're just absorbing the value without thinking about it. And that's where I think it's a problem. Danny, we need to leave it there, but um, I know that we're going to continue this conversation because it's uh, it's a very important one. And it's one that I've, you know, I'm very passionate about as well. Yeah. So, well, if we have to multiply, teach each other and and help each other professionally, but also into our households. Okay, so there you go. So the one, so three words, four words for people: reconstruct your worldview. Excellent. Worldview is one word. That's three words. Reconstruct your worldview. Um, Trifecta. Thank you, Danny. We'll we'll continue this conversation. I hope you can stick around and listen to my conversation with David Nalieri oh, about, about the Teresa film. It's coming up. So uh, we'll uh, we'll we'll talk to you next month. Thanks. Looking forward to it. Danny Torquia is the managing director of Torquia Communications. You can follow him on Twitter at Dan Torquia, and you can learn more at his website, dialogueandgrace.com. Coming up in our second half hour, the new Mother Teresa documentary, No Greater Love, and we reconnect with singer-songwriter Will Hickel. So stay tuned. Welcome to the Salt and Light Hour Part 2. I'm Deacon Pedro. It seems incredible that it's already been 25 years since the death of Mother Teresa of Calcutta. Many of us remember her when she was alive, how she inspired the whole world, how she was considered a living saint. Mother Teresa was best known for her work with the poorest of the poor in India. She founded the Missionaries of Charity, who continue the work that she started now with over 5,000 members in 139 countries. For the non-Catholic world, Mother Teresa was considered one of the 20th century's greatest humanitarians, receiving the Nobel Peace Prize in 1979. She was canonized as Saint Teresa of Calcutta in 2016. The Knights of Columbus have now produced a film that celebrates her legacy. Mother Teresa, No Greater Love, was filmed on five continents and reveals not just who Mother Teresa was, but how her singular vision to serve Christ in the poor continues to be realized through the Missionaries of Charity today. And to tell us more, we are now joined by the director and producer of the film, David Nalieri. David, welcome to the Salt and Light. Welcome back, Thank I should you. say. Thank you. Thank you, Pedro. Great to be with you. Yes. Really appreciate so, this opportunity. David, there, there are lots of films about Mother Teresa, lots of documentaries. Why do we need another one, and why? what's different about this one? Yeah, no, it's a fair question. Um, the missionaries of charity following Mother Teresa's death, they had it on their mind to, to make a kind of a definitive film on Mother Teresa's life that would look at the full uh, expanse of, of, of both her, her life, um, her experiences, uh, the work of the missionaries of charity. Um, and don't forget, too, there's a lot of things that came out about Mother Teresa after she died. There was elements right. of her life, specifically um, some of the visions she experienced, the ongoing visions following the initial a call from Jesus to go into the darkest holes of the world, serve mm -hmm. the poorest of the poor. There's a lot came out about ongoing visions. And then also the suffering that she encountered, this dark yeah. night of the soul that lasted 50 years. So that was not fully explored too. So there was a need for 
um, kind of a definitive film to tell the story of, of, of not just Mother Teresa, but also the missionary that order, a missionary charity order that she founded that is now present in more than 140 countries that is doing such incredible work, how her yeah. legacy lives on. So they explored different ways to do that. They were thinking of a Hollywood film. They never could find a script. They never could find the actress they wanted to portray Mother Teresa that really they felt was right. Mm-hmm. And so a couple of years ago, they started turning to the idea of a documentary film. And I'm very fortunate that they turned to the Knights of Columbus and asked Supreme Knight Patrick Kelly, would the Knights of Columbus be interested in being the ones to tell the story? There's a mm-hmm. long relationship with trust that was, has been established going back 30, 40 years with the missionaries of charity. Um, and so just about a year ago, uh, we, we got started on this film, very much a project um, done in partnership with the missionaries of charity. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what this film does, I think, Pedro, is it tells, it tells you who Mother Teresa was. You hear directly from her. We canvas the world and the archives from so many different countries to find these little hidden gems of interviews and speeches that she gave. Okay. Um, but then I think a lot of the power from the film comes from all the different apostolates of missionaries of charity. We travel to five um, on all, all five continents, 10 different mm-hmm. countries, and you capture viscerally the incredible work they're doing, serving the poorest of the poor. And it gives you a glimpse into who Mother Teresa was and how her legacy lives on. And I think that those elements are what make this a really remarkable film. It sounds like it. I mean, it, it, it is the definitive film on Mother Teresa because it's the film that's, can we say that it's produced by the Missionaries of Charities? I mean, you would have had access that nobody else has ever had on doing anything with Mother Teresa because you were working in partnership with the Missionaries of Charity, correct? Yeah. So, I mean, the film was produced by the Knights of Columbus, but it was done in partnership and collaboration yeah. with the Missionaries of Charity. And yeah, yeah. One, one thing I say to people, Pedro, I say this film you'll never see again. And I don't say that in a pride, prideful and arrogant way, but simply because this is really remarkable what the Missionaries of Charity did because they are not publicity seekers. No. These are the most humble people and women you could find yes. in the world. They, they don't invite photographers and, and, and cameramen and, and storytellers into these locations, these apostolates where they're serving the poorest of the poor. They mm-hmm. just don't do that. So for that, and, and it's funny because throughout this process, a lot of the missionaries of charity sisters we work with and who we interviewed, they would say to us, for, for us, this is the greatest suffering. Uh, and that is sitting down for a t- really? camera, put in your face. Um, so to get them to open up, open up their homes, open up their hearts, open up their archives. Interesting. And, uh, really allow us to delve in was just an incredible opportunity and, and makes this film really unique in that regard. Yeah. You mentioned that you you traveled to five continents. You were in you know visiting a lot of their apostolates. Um, I'm sure that there's tons of things about Mother Teresa that you learned that you didn't know before. Is, is there any one particular story or stories that you can share about what you learned or what you experienced working or being with the missionaries of charity? Um, well, you know, I, I, one thing I learned going to this project, I wanted to delve into the, obviously the, the Mother Teresa becomes very famous, 1969, Malcolm Muggeridge makes a famous documentary and in the book, Something Beautiful for God. Mm-hmm. And that's how Mother Teresa first becomes known. And I had read that Malcolm Muggeridge, oftentimes when he was filming that interview with Mother Teresa and watching her work with the poorest of the poor in the dying Calcutta, he oftentimes had to leave the room because he was, he was overcome with emotion, uh, witnessing the work that she and the sisters were doing. And I must say, um, in my travels, I had the same experience where sometimes I just had to kind of walk away and, and hide the tears a little bit because the work that they do, the love that they show, it's just, it's, it's the gospel put into action and it, and, and it really, really touches you. Um, we had, there's some scenes in the film too that I found very striking. They work for very, very severely disabled children in Kenya. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, so many of these babies with hydrocephalus, so these babies with yeah. large, enormous swollen heads, oftentimes these babies would be aborted. And just their loving, caring, tender uh, love for these children, it's just awe-inspiring. And that's what makes this film also, I mean, this film does a lot. There's a lot of interwoven themes and messages in this film, but it's a very profoundly pro-life film. So that was one thing that really struck me. And everything I would say, I knew the basics of Mother Teresa's life, but I had never read a complete biography. I was no, by no means an expert. So I, mm-hmm. this was also a huge learning opportunity for me. But I was very struck by the family dimension. Mother Teresa was a real family person. She okay. loved her family so intensely. And she left home at the age of 18. And when she departed, her mother said to her, put your hand in the hand of Jesus and never look back. And she never did. And she never saw her mother and she never saw her sister again. Um, After World War II, Albania fell under communist rule. She could not visit them or she would not be able to leave the country. So she couldn't continue her ministry. So she had to really for decades, uh, on top of all the other sufferings that God gave to her, um, she also had to deal with that loss of the family. And that was something that really struck me, that whole family dynamic. And it just, to me, it just strengthened my understanding of this woman who is willing to undergo every single suffering offered up to Jesus on behalf of the poorest of the poor. So, but there's a lot of other things to take away. And I think each person who comes and watches this film uh, will take away something else because we're, you're dealing with such an extraordinary heroic character in Mother Teresa. Yeah, sounds like sounds like a formidable film that I, I, I wish everybody's getting as excited as I am as they're listening to you, to you tell us about it. So it's gonna be screening in theaters in North America and other places uh, next week, David, where can people watch it? What what can we tell people? Yeah, so the film came out uh, October 3rd and 4th, had two-day release uh, in thousand theaters across the United States and, and did so well that we were thrilled to hear that Fathom Events is bringing it back. So okay. it's going to have an encore release November the 2nd, where I think we're about seven 800 theaters across the country. Tickets available are available at motherteresamovie.com. That's no H in Teresa. Uh, you can just click on Tickets. Um, you can enter in your zip code to find a theater near you and tickets are available either group or individual. So that's on November 2nd. Um, there's also in the United States on November the 7th, a Spanish dubbed version. Okay. That's be available in theaters across the country for Spanish speakers and Hispanics. Um, and then we also have a two day theatrical release across Canada. We're going to be in 26 theaters on November 2nd and 3rd tickets available. Same website, mothertreesamovie.com. And you can click on tickets. You can be guided to the Canadian release. Um, we're also going to be in 48 theaters in the United Kingdom, in England, Scotland, and Ireland as oh, well. Wonderful. Um, that's going to be same November 2nd and 3rd. Um, we're also working on a theatrical release in Brazil, November 20th and 21st. We have a distributor in Brazil. So the film's really kind of taken oh, off. Oh, that's great. It's yeah. really strong. Yeah. So we that's encourage wonderful. people who um, haven't had a chance to see it in the first run to, to come out to theaters and and a chance to see this film and and so people know i mean what david said is so true like if the more people that go see it in the theaters the more it's likely to go back to the theaters or stay in the theaters so go to motherteresamovie.com find out where it's playing near you and i'm sure you can find a theater get a group and go see this film because uh i mean i haven't seen it but i've heard about it and i know it's it's going to change your life so david thank you so much for well thank you so much for the for the work that you do for making this particular film and uh, for telling us about it today. Thanks, man. Thanks for the chance, Pedro. Great to be with you as always. 
David Nalieri is the director and producer of Mother Teresa, No Greater Love. You can find out more where it's playing and how you can go watch the movie at motherteresamovie.com. And as David said, there's no H in Teresa, motherteresamovie.com. If you missed any part of this conversation or to listen to the rest of the show, go to our website, eslmedia.org slash podcast. And here now is our featured artist of the week, Will Hickel, with his new single, Over and Over.
That was Will Hickel with his new single, Over and Over. We met Will Hickel in March 2021 when he told us all about his initiative, Novum Records, and his band, Novum, and also the Novum Collective, which is a collective of artists that collaborate on various projects. Needless to say, Will is a songwriter and singer. He's a worship leader. He's a music producer. Um, his Novum Records has helped many young Catholic artists release hundreds of songs up to date. Over the last year, Will has continued writing and has released a few new singles that we've been listening to. And so it's a good excuse to have him back on the show. Will, welcome back to the Salt and Light Hour. Thank you. It's so good to be back. So what was what was the last couple of years like for you guys? Were you, were you able to continue producing and recording? I know you were writing, but how was the pandemic for you? Yeah, um, pandemic... It shaped out to be very helpful for having the time to write, <laughs> yeah. not helpful in many other ways, but, uh, but time to, to be still and to create and to collaborate. Um, turns out writing over zoom is, is, isn't as, isn't as good as writing in person, but it's been, it, it actually worked out really well. Um, so we were able to kind of expand our ability to, to write and collaborate. That's very interesting. Sorry to interrupt, but you're not the first person that tells me that because you think I know that when we started collaborating via Zoom, it was just really awkward. But yeah. I think most most songwriters have figured it out. And actually, mm-hmm. like you said, like you don't have to travel to Nashville or travel to California. You can just connect via Zoom and collaborate that way. So it's been good. Yeah, it's been great. And fr- from a nerdy technical perspective, like <laughs> my uh, my interface, like I, I can plug in my keyboards or my synths and like kind of share ideas and it sounds sounds great coming through Zoom. So um, yeah, it's, it's been good, especially when it comes to producing. Um, there were a couple tracks that I would produce like live on Zoom. I'd share my screen, I'd play some sounds, they could hear everything that was happening. So, um, so that, that turned out to be great. So some good technology, praise God for that. Um, but yeah, no, the, the last two years have been great. We've been um, we've been slowly growing, and uh, we have a few new artists, some exciting ones like Flynn and Kate Curran, mm-hmm. um, who have have just been able to bless us with such incredible music. Kate Curran is a great worship artist. She's from Ireland, lives in Atlanta, and then we have a Flynn is a pop duo. They're both married to each other that's yes they're they're married to each other uh yes. and uh they're based in michigan and you know they're 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 they have such an incredible sound and and not it's very you know you would you wouldn't know like that they're people that are religious by listening to their music just because right. it sounds it sounds truly top 40s mainstream um but that's that's the goal of novum records is we want to evangelize we want to build good culture within the church and outside the church um with with catholics who are are intentional about their faith but also who want to make beautiful art that can draw people in so exactly no that's good in fact kate kern is going to be on this program next week yes so uh uh, so thank you for connecting us and i'm looking forward (laughs) to connecting with flynn as well i i I was looking through your website and i counted i mean just the new releases in 2022 yeah there's like 21 new releases (laughs) and and including flynn and kate kern i mean Mm -hmm. so many other artists as well so you you have been busy we've been very busy in fact our latest release was three days ago from this recording on uh, october 22nd jb2's feast day Um, eric wilkes came out with his debut single he's been a huge collaborator he's been with us from the start um he's part he is my partner in crime in the band novum um 
and so it's the two of us and uh and we're currently working on a full-length record that should hopefully be coming out next year but that's gonna be 12 brand new songs oh that's um, good okay make sure to yeah. let us know so we can uh, get you get you out back on the show or, or get them back on the show um do you do a lot at of live performance or live events? Yeah, so that's actually been a huge thing that we're working on for the future of Novum Records is is building out our booking management service. Um, and so Flynn actually has a gig tomorrow night. Uh, so I've been talking to um, the organizer of that. And, um, and yeah, I've kind of served as their booking manager and kind of trying that out. We're actually, we've hired somebody to also take on a lot of the booking um it's just it's such a full-time job just to it reach is. out to people and to yeah 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 you book you book us so you know how it goes so yeah live performances um and getting our artists out there to help build their fan bases and connect with people is a huge initiative so right. so yeah yeah well that oh that's good to know because that's the kind of support that i think artists especially catholic artists christian artists and when as they're starting out that if you're the one that's doing everything, producing and direct, you know, uh, sorry, songwriting, and and then also having to book your own uh, your own events, like you yeah. said, it's 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 a full time job, more than full time job. Now, yeah. last time I remember you were talking to us about the uh, the liturgy resources, particularly the Psalm Project. Um, I know that that has continued. Is there anything new that in terms of that you want our listeners to know about what's happening in that end? Yeah, no, the liturgy resources platform has been growing very very well. Um, and and by growing i mean like in collaboration we have this so we started on year b um and then we had year c and then we just finished year a because year a starts in a month um and what's what's exciting about year a is we we were able to we were able to get about 35 songwriters so we expanded our i guess you know, palette of, of, you know, <laughs> composition. Um, so, so there's a nice diversity of, of sound, but also with the first year we wrote over a hundred and we recorded a little over half of those. The second year we wrote over a hundred and we recorded 88. Wow. This year we wrote 103 and we set out to record all 103 and we did. It was it was an insane week for anyone who records music. I mean, we I were working 12 hour days, just, you know, uh, everyone was playing live at once. We play it in a couple takes and then move wow. on to the next so one. So these are, these are Psalms specifically? Just or the responsorial aspects? Psalms. Just the Psalms. Yeah. So we wrote, a, we record 103. And so what's cool about our platform is we have permission from uh, the USCCB and the International Commission of English and Liturgy to put these out on Spotify, YouTube, iTunes. So, you know, if you if you type in liturgy resources as an artist on Apple Music or anything, uh, you'll find all of the Psalms that are out currently, um, as well as all of our mass settings. And we have two mass settings, okay. um, one that just released this year called the Mass of the Annunciation. Um, and then we released that on the Feast of the Annunciation on March 25th. And okay. so, um, and then we have a couple other mass settings that are currently being reviewed and written and recorded. So, um, okay. and then after that, we'll go into other liturgical music. You know, there's there's obviously a lot of psalms for funerals and weddings and antiphons and things like that. So, okay, that's wonderful. That's good to know. So I hope that that's uh, interesting for our listeners. Um, how, if someone is listening and, and they, they're like, I'm a parish musician, I wrote this mass setting, how, can they contact you to see if there's any possibility of it being published or? Absolutely. We are, we, yes, we want to help serve, uh, 
anyone who who wants to to get into that um that kind of that kind of world of of the publishing yeah um and you know and for any any music directors listening we have a good relationship with cc line one license so we can get your music on those platforms as well so yeah um if you just go to liturgyresources.com uh click on contact and and also i mean my email is will at liturgyresources.com so really easy reach out to me you know, I'd love to. Okay, help. sounds good. Very, very approachable. Will would <laughs> like you to write to him. So would that go the same with an artist or a young, a young artist that wants to record and maybe, you know, uh, in that sense, maybe not liturgical music, but they they want to, yeah, be a Catholic we, artist. In, in, Catholic artist, any genre. Uh, that email is will at novumrecords.com. So really easy. <laughs> but uh, but if you go to novumrecords.com/demo, you can. That's our formal process. You can okay. submit demo. It, it it fills out a form. It does go straight to me. Um, it just helps me get to know the artists and what their goals right. are, and of course, and hear a little bit of their music before we okay, talk. Okay, that's good to know. So wow, sounds like you're you're busy and you're doing really good work. Anything else that's coming down the pipes? Any more music that you're recording with Novum or by yourself? <laughs> yeah, Novum, we've got a single that's actually has been mixed. I need to go review that when we hang up here. But um, uh, we've got that. We have a brand new artist, Winston, who I'll, I'll connect you with offline. Um, he's got a cool, like, kind of kind of taking back Sunday meets Harry Styles kind of vibe. Just cool pop songs, love songs. Okay. Um, really exciting music. Um and he actually just got engaged, so exciting for him. Um, let's see what else. I I have a few things personally that I'm working on. I mean, those three singles that that we're showing here on the show, those took me a long time to. I, I wrote them. I mean, I think as as old as 2020, um, right. but it took me forever to to finally record them. And those with, are just you, right? It's, it's just, just me. Yeah. yeah. And those have been exciting because I, I wanted yeah. to find a sound for worship that I personally, I guess. Uh, connected with not that i don't connect with traditional sounding worship but i really yep. like synthesizers and drum machines and so i wanted to like glorify the lord yeah you do with yeah. the tech the music technology that we have today <laughs> so yeah. so that's been really a really fun challenge to how do i make these things sound cool and weird but also reverent right so in over and over when you get to the bridge you have that big bouncy ball like drum machine boom yep. boom boom and you know what's funny is i'll show friends that by itself I'll be like, tell me what you think of this, you know, and I'll play just the drums and they'll be like, yeah, okay. And I'll be like, could you imagine this being in a worship song? And they're like, not really. But then I'll add the other layers and show them how it fits in just to, yeah, just yeah. to, I guess, you know, as my litmus test of <laughs> what, no, what do people true. actually no, and think? You've done so. it. You've done it. I think that you're right. That's exactly what you've done. And it works really, really well. Yeah. So that's been fun. So I have a few other ideas, but you know, those ideas took me a couple years to get out. So it'll probably be another (laughs) at this rate, two years for the next round, but that's because, you know, and my wife, she's been awesome. She's such a great champion of of everything we do and and of my own personal music. And she finally had to kind of give me a a kick in the pants and be like, Hey man, you have all this stuff. You know, it's great that you help other people, but why don't you focus on yourself for a couple months so you can actually finish your music. And so I listened to her as as, as we you should sh- as we should yes um and so yeah so we've got those three songs i've got well, a few no more. that's good i mean that that's fine you're also i i you have a a, a young child yes. so that's taking time so yes. in in time <laughs> you do what you need to do i i'm uh i'm excited to hear the new music and and, and uh and i look forward to hearing more when it's ready but uh, i know that it's not that you're sitting around doing nothing 
So that's, Will, that's, yes. <laughs> thank you for thank you for staying in touch and for connecting with us today and for uh, again giving giving us those great resources for our listeners. Mm. Um, and uh, keep doing what you're doing because it's really good. Yeah, thanks again for having me. God bless. God bless. You can learn more about Will Hickel and get his music at his website, willhickel.com. You can also learn more about Novum, the Novum Collective, and Novum Records at the Novum Records website, novumrecords.com. If you missed any part of this interview, you can head on over to our site, slmedia.org slash podcast. All our programs are archived there. And here now to take us out is Will Hickel with his new single, You Shine. Listening to Will Hickel with his new single, You Shine, and that will take us to the end of the program. Remember that you can stream or podcast all our Salt and Light Hour programs at saltandlightmedia.org. Just look for our podcasts. You can also find the Salt and Light Hour Catholic Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just look for Deacon Pedro. You can also email me, pedro at eselmedia.org. I love your emails and I respond to every single one of them. Next week, we'll meet Harry McAvoy, who's struggling with memory loss, and we'll learn what this season has taught him about suffering, loss, and faith. We will also meet singer-songwriter Kate Curran, as I mentioned in the interview with Will Hickel, so I hope that you can join us for that next week. And remember, as always, continue to pray for peace, for peace in Ukraine, in Nicaragua, in Iran, and so many other places where there is conflict, and stay safe, and continue praying for each other and taking care of each other. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this has been the Salt and Light Hour.